0: You're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Razowski. Today's guest, Brian Lohman, has, yes, been on American Body Shop, World Cup Comedy, Ask Rita, and Rugrats, but what Brian's really known for is his love of theater, music, and improvisation. Impro Theater, the LA-based company where he's the associate artistic director, has performed at the Broad Stage, Aspen Comedy Festival, the Globe Playhouse in L.A., and the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Our podcast discussion gets a little inside baseball, as the saying goes, but we hit... Well, there's another baseball reference. We hit on how theater makes you a more complete human, finding your passion, and as Quincy Jones quips, finding your lightning and riding your lightning. This discussion is so worth a listen. Catch you at the other side. I was looking at the stuff that you... I was looking at your website, which, God damn it, dude. Do you work on that every day? No. Do you work on that at all? No. It, about, I mean, I noticed I that it. like, I it's about a, a year, it. like, a, like mm-hmm. there's things that can be
1: mm-hmm.
0: tidied, Yeah. tidied, yeah. but for the most part, it's, it, it, it runs deep. You did work on that.
1: Yeah, no, I hired a web designer, and you I did. gave it some thought, and i like, well, uh-huh. what can I possibly do? To,
0: do you, do you know who, if anybody comes to it?
1: I know. I haven't spent the time to track it to see if, uh-huh. if people show up. I know when I talk to someone, I can say, go to my website. And then uh-huh. I know they'll go to it, but I don't have any idea.
0: Do you, uh, do you have it so that it's set up so that people can get, oh, you want some photos? Go to my website and you can download them. There.
1: Yeah, they can pull photos off.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you've got a reel that has the usual suspects, a lot of usual suspects in that reel. But you know when when we have the friends that we have, it's hard not to have those fucking usual suspects in it, you know, not to have your Dan O'Connors.
1: Yeah. Well, th- that's EDs. the advantage of working with people for a long time, though, is you build a body of work together, right? Yeah. yeah. And you and there's a shorthand that right. up because of that.
0: Right. Especially you and Dan. You and Dan. It seems like you and Dan have the shorthand. And the scene where your brothers, it was like, oh yeah. Of course, they're brothers. Yeah, because they're brothers.
1: Right? Yeah, no, literally. I've spent more time with them than I have with either of my brothers in my life. Uh,
0: what's the thing? It just reminded me of that, of like, what's the thing that you think you say more than you say anything else? And and I'll give you an example. For me, it used to be. Um, let me see. This is, yeah. It, for me, it used to be uh, marble medium soft pack. It used to be that I used to have. I'd say that, but now it's let's get two more up.
1: Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh You know. What do you think yours? What do you think yours is? Uh, Well, I have two kids now, so. Oh, that's right. There's a a whole different vocabulary that shows up because of Uh that. Right. Which is uh, probably stuff like, did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your teeth? (laughs) Just the repetition of that, that puts it way up there in the ranking because I have to say it 10 times in order for it to get done.
0: (laughs) Did you brush your
1: teeth? Did you brush your teeth? I mean, I think that that's the thing that I'm,
0: I'm. I had no idea you had two kids. Yeah. How old are they?
1: I have a six month old and a six year old. Oh my God.
0: That's a nice age difference. Between those two.
1: It is. There's no arguing over toys. The six year old thinks the six month old is a toy. So nice. he's just kind of like there's a delighted small person smiling at me when I get up in the morning. It's I kinda know. like this uh beautiful presence, right? That, well, you
0: know, and that's know. exactly it. What's the difference in age between
1: you and your sibling? I t- I have, no, I have three siblings. Siblings. Two brothers and a sister. uh-huh Um and I'm closest in age to my sister, but that's a four year gap. uh-huh Was
0: there Shut
1: up, you shut up, Mom? Sure. We yeah. had a Chevelle station wagon that we drove cross country because my dad was a teacher. So summer's off, drive to Minnesota, see his family, camp all the way uh, with a big box on top of the car with camping supplies. And oh, yeah. You tented it? Backseat. Yeah. Car camping. Cross you What's your feeling about camping <laughs> now? Uh, I yearn for it because I have nostalgic memories of it. Uh-huh. But when I show up at campsites and it's all RVs and I get pissed off. Why? So, um, because I feel like they've brought too much civilization into the wilderness. I
0: see. I see, I see. because I've really been, I've been, I think I've kind of turned the yeah, when I was married, it was just like, let's pack up everything, let's move. Let's have just enough stuff that we don't have enough stuff. Let's load it up into a car, have, uh, load up in the car uh, with an uncomfortable place to stay, and let's bring the argument that we have had in the house into the wilderness. And you go, hmm, not gonna do that, not gonna do that, not gonna do that. Uh, But lately I've been thinking about, I guess it wouldn't be so bad, but my my feeling is hell is people. And Mm -hmm. it's those other people that are around Mm -hmm. that you go, hmm.
1: The great thing about it though, is if you're at a campground where you can get up, make your breakfast on the stove, and then pack a bag and go for a walk that never ends you know, then all of that dissolves behind right. you. And suddenly you're in this place and you return to this state of feeling
0: like... when you. I, so you're not traveling pressure. that much. You're, you're kind of staying at home.
1: Uh, I'm not traveling as much as I was. Right. There right. was a lot of travel happening until my oldest son was born. And then the travel just coincidentally or serendipitously dropped off. And huh. There was more work. Here.
0: Oh, there was more work here. Yeah, you created more work here. I mean, he because created more work. Oh, that was <laughs> I mean, very nice. You know, that was I very mean, nice. The, the, oh, he say. created more. Work. But it, I, but you, you also had work, work, like pay the rent, work to help pay the rent, work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And but you found
0: that here. in There LA. was
1: more of that starting to show up. There was more teaching starting to show up. Mm-hmm. It was stay. How did here you do that?
0: Teach. How did you do that?
1: It's just stuff just sort of arrives. Isn't know? that interesting? Yeah. I, if I have friends that are working places, I will send them resumes and say, "If something shows up, please consider me for this." Uh-huh. Or like, um, I just directed a show at Pepperdine. a directed *Servant of Two Masters*. Yes. Delightful fun and to re- do that.
0: And it was, uh, and you had a budget. Yeah. There were. And you had designers, designers. Right. You had gorgeous, people doing shit talented for people. you. Yeah. And you'd show up.
1: Yeah. They do. They would, and they had great ideas. So we right. could have a conversation with the set designer. Say, look at these kind of futurist paintings that were happening, uh, that have Italian colors and flavor in them. And he came up with this modular rotating set. So we had—they're not periactoids, but they're squares uh-huh. um, that would rotate through the different locations with this vivid, bright, exciting color palette. Because the last show he had designed was completely white. So,
0: yeah, he was champing at the bit.
1: Oh, yeah. He was in shock. Right. What do you mean? You know, it's kind of like flavor being taken out of your life for four (laughs) months. What would that be like if everything you ate tasted like paste? And then suddenly somebody showed up and said, look, there's a food truck. And you're like, ah. Food truck? Um,
0: uh, Whenever somebody says flavor, I always think about uh, when we were doing shows at Bang on Fairfax, there there was a bakery. There used to be three or four bakeries on that street. And there was one bakery that... No matter what you got, there was no flavor in it. And the only thing I could figure out is they couldn't get the flavor trucks down that alley. Yeah. So they stopped
1: stopped at the Ethiopian section of (laughs) Fairfax and downloaded all of the flavor. (laughs) Exactly. Why can't we get flavor down here?
0: (laughs) So it's like there's a a rugelach, um, which is, and there's also like, there was, I don't know if you eat any Mexican pastries, which are essentially hard rolls with.
1: Pandiera, yeah. Yeah,
0: but it's just like fancy colors in them. No flavor, really. I'm sorry.
1: I'm sure it's out there. Like you said, because you had what sounds to be like a cardboard rugula from that other place. Yes. And yet there are other rugula where you go, oh, exploding nuts and spices inside of this.
0: I had a scone yesterday that was crazy because it was a scone, like a scone, but it was also a biscuit. And my girlfriend calls it a Mm skiskit, And um, it was
1: delicious. Mm -hmm. Do you miss being on the road? Uh... I I missed kind of the adventures of the road, and I love meeting people and, and working with working with people in different cities and the excitement of going to different cities. But t- travel was grinding me down because I was going like thirty weeks out of the year, and that's that's dropped off.
0: Isn't it interesting? Because I that's what this year has been I'm I'm booked this year. I'm just book solid this year, which is great. Um, I'm working. But what's interesting to me and I think that you do the same thing, and I know that Dan does the same thing, although he's just now he, was, he sent me an email saying he's going to hit the road and, and teach a little. Uh, Dan O'Connor, we, I think about, what do I bring with me when I teach? And I think, I just bring my brain. That's it. I don't mean notes. I don't, it's just what is it that I'm thinking about, And then someone hires me to tell them what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: The other people, have figured that out a long time ago. But lately I'm going, oh, hey, it's just, it's whatever I bring. And it's sort of, it's sort of, it's not sort of, it is a performance of my teaching.
1: And I would argue too that it's what they bring too, that you get a sense from that first moment once they're up doing work, this would be helpful to these people. I can see that they are striving towards this. Here are some tools that would help them get there. So reading the room and knowing this group could use this stuff now and I'll just, yeah. right. Let's tune your carburetor and let's put in new shocks.
0: Absolutely. And, and as you get, as you, as you keep doing this, you realize more and more that it is about reading the room.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it is about that performance. And it is about what is it that they want from me because I truly believe I can deliver it to them.
1: And do you think that there's a larger picture it play as well in terms of what the state of improvisation is as an art and are you reading the big room saying I would like before I die to see these kinds of shows on stage much more than these kinds of shows on stage Uh, and how does your teaching help that happen
0: I totally understand exactly what you're talking about because that's really that's exactly what it is I I look at I go from city to city and I bring what it is that I teach and I go I want to see more of that Mm-hmm. And people go, oh, I want to do more of that. And, but it is about having that vision. But that vision comes to you from doing it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I could sit here and go, oh, he says, gesturing thoughtfully. Um, what I would like to do, but then you watch somebody do it and you go, fuck, that's it. You're doing it right now. Yeah. You know, It's like what my vision is. And, and a really good thing, what you just said there, what's really interesting was, um, I want to see more of this and I want to see less of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it's the less of that where I go mm, we're going to have an argument right now because what you're doing, not an argument we're going to have a learning opportunity
1: <laughs> uh, and is it trans? Is it transformational always and if it's not why isn't it?
0: What do you mean transformational?
1: Do does the work shift while you're there after you've said try this instead or uh, do you find that you get pushed back a lot of the time where people are saying, no, I've been taught to do this
0: and they get to do that. Um, but I look at it and I go and I look at it and I think, I know exactly what you're doing. I know why you're doing it. I know where it's going to lead and I'm going to let you do it. But I'm going to stop you the moment that someone should have stopped me and I'm going to give you an adjustment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that is awesome.
1: Yeah, that's great. and that's. When I'm working with a director or a teacher, I love that. I love being corrected in the moment much more than getting a note afterwards. Oh, totally. So that I don't feel helpless and stupid.
0: Totally. And that's another thing that people go, "Look, you're you're interrupting me. I'm talking right now. You're interrupting me." I'm like, "Yeah, you're about to go off the fucking rails, and I'm guiding you back onto the rails." It's like I would have figured that out. It's like now we're not going to know. We're not going to know that you would
1: have yeah. done that. But it happened, and right. that's that, that's why we're here is so that it happens. Not, yes. Not because that's why we're here. You did it.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah. and the moment that you go off the rail, your partner's going to go off the rail, and then both of you are fucking going off the rail. And I just want—we're never going to recreate this scene, but we will recreate the feeling that you're feeling in that moment, yeah. and your sense memory, your mirror neurons will be able to figure that shit out. <laughs> say, say that again. <laughs> mirror neurons, you know, like that sort of stuff. Do you think? neurons. <laughs> do you think that the work that we've done? Has made us clairvoyant?
1: I would say it's made us more intuitive. I'm not sure that it's made us clairvoyant in the sense of having uh, a clear vision of things that are invisible to other people. All
0: the time. You don't think that you can see things that are invisible to other people? In
1: terms of the future?
0: No. In I terms of w-
1: my future in the scene. But of course, as an improviser, I'm looking at environments that are invisible to other people because I'm projecting space objects into space all the time.
0: Right. Aren't you also thinking I know exactly what you're about to say? I know exactly what you're about to say. Yeah. That, that's, that's what I mean. And because I don't mean don't go outside on February 9th. I don't mean that because if Although, you did
1: we would be much wealthier men than we are right now exactly my I website like, I, would be completely different type and there would be a hotline
0: so <laughs> exactly you're going back to the hotline you're going to the 8800 number That's right. you're going to that it's like you know what there's a big there's big money in 800 numbers um but i feel like i look at somebody and, and i think i know exactly what they're about to say because i i am in tune with what it is that they're doing i am in the groove of what it is that they're doing yeah. and i watch you guys uh, in pro theater, I watch you guys perform, and I could tell that you guys are channeling each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're on, absolutely, yeah, and and to that bigger thing of story showing up—that we all start to channel whatever the story is of that of those people in that room at that moment—that we've kind of let go of ourselves enough to let the character take over. So it's that, you know, that tribal ritualistic part of improvisation, you go back to the mask work with Johnstone or Balinese Theatre or anything where it's like you have gone away, the character has shown up, you are now in service to the character. That, and that's exciting when it happens, you kind of live for that.
0: You do. We do live for that. We do live for that. It's that feeling of channeling, that feeling of oneness, and it is very tribal. It's the idea of here we are, here we are, here we are right now. We are here right now. We are doing this thing right now. and. The moment that you let your mind be an interloper, where it goes away mm-hmm. and you question what's happening, is the moment that you become a stranger and we don't know what you're talking about anymore.
1: Does, does that make sense? Yeah, because you, you're, you're now reaching outside either the circle of probability or you've left the emotional circle with your partner and now you're acting like an alien because you're not emotionally connected anymore.
0: What's the root of that?
1: What is it that takes it out? of? Yeah.
0: Them? What is it that that mm-hmm. draws somebody to go to what that draws somebody to go away Would that draw somebody away from the tribe?
1: It's different for different people. I think for, for me, uh, if I'm in a place where I'm trying to fix it, then I've stepped back and I'm, I'm looking at mechanics rather than being engaged in the ride itself.
0: Right. And I've seen you do that. Yeah. I've seen. I've seen. I know. I've done it, but I've also seen you do it because you directed me before, and I've been in, in scenes with you where I've watched us try to fix it, and it's so interesting when we try to fix it. It doesn't it's like, help. Yeah. It help. Yeah. Fixing it never helps. Embracing it helps. Accepting what it is that's happening helps.
1: It, just finishing the run of checkoff that Impro Theatre did. That I just think all improvisers should do checkoff for a month every year, because. It takes that very thing that we're talking about, the, the, the desire to manipulate mechanically what's happening or be a, be a, a script doctor or a story editor, uh-huh. and it, is it necessary? You're in a room in a country house with a group of other people who are flawed human beings, and you're a flawed human being. There's the great quote from Chekhov about, I'm not interested in curing my characters, I just want to study their symptoms. Oh, you know? that's so, so... I love that so much. So then you don't have to fix anything. Because right. you'll, you'll be just as screwed up, maybe in a different way, at the end of your play than you were at the beginning. You will have gone on a journey, but it's not about a result.
0: There, just, no, because there's nothing to be
1: fixed. Yeah, you're, you're human, and you can't fix that. Right, but I mean, people... That's glorious. That's
0: really great. That's really great. That's really great. I had, you, a, I had a girlfriend who said... Uh, who kept saying how oh, she's flawed. She's a flawed human. And I'm thinking, and I kept saying, stop, you have to stop saying that. How are you flawed? It's like I make mistakes and I have a daughter and I make mistakes and I'm thinking, no, if you are a robot, you'd be flawed. But because you're a human, you get to experience those things in your life.
1: Yeah.
0: And none of that needs to be fixed. And that's something that is so hard for people because essentially what you're saying is surrender to... The flaw, embrace the flaw, celebrate the flaw, and when we leave the theater, we're tra- we can't do that. But when we enter onto uh-huh. the stage, that's where we have to do
1: that. And it's different than self-help or a human potential seminar because there's a uh, just. Shared experiential learning that happens where people are on an emotional journey rather than an intellectual journey. So you are just kind of feeling for these people. And if if theater is doing one of the many great things that theater does, then it's creating empathy. It's creating a sense that I am like you is showing up in the room. People leave feeling like I am like that character that I didn't think I was anything like at the beginning of the evening, and now I know I'm a lot like them.
0: Somebody said this and I can't remember who it was, but I think it was somebody that we know said I go to theater to know that I'm alive, which I think is just such a lovely thought. Yeah, and it also works when you go uh, the television shows that I'm attracted to are, th- are those that m- make me know that I'm alive as opposed to looking at something going I don't believe the w- I don't believe a fucking thing that's happening right now. I do not believe that you are human beings at this moment, that you are put in this place, I'm watching this thing, it's like nothing about this looks real to me at all or feels real.
1: There, There's the the kind of flip side of that where I'm aware of the artistry that was all thought out and put together to create something that's more allegorical. So if I'm watching a story where I'm not getting, I'm not wrapped up in the my empathy for the characters and their relationships entirely. Instead, I'm looking at, oh, my God, they put the light over there and it made this thing show up and and now they've cut to this and that was a tracking shot. You know, there's that sort of thing, too, which is equally delightful because then I'm aware there was a human being who saw this scene in a certain way with all of these different elements and I'm now understanding my humanity better because they did all
0: that. I understand. That. And that's more that's more of going to technical school than it is to, uh, to, to sit and watch a movie or a play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like going, okay, so at that moment, because that's, I've talked about this before, it's what happened when I watched the Matrix, where I'm going, where it, it is this allegorical thing, and it's all these different levels, and it's 3D chess and all that, and I and and I'm looking at it, thinking, okay, all right, that guy over there, okay, now he's over there, okay, so there's that guy, he's the black guy with the glasses, and it's, it's, okay, now all right, all right, I'm just gonna. Oh, that was pretty. Look, there's that special it get, effect. It gets there. over
1: com- If it gets overcomplicated, then it loses me. But I'm talking more about Lady from Shanghai. Orson Welles choosing to cut from Rita Hayworth to a crocodile going into the Amazon. Got it. Got it. Like, got, got it. Got <laughs> okay. it. Got it. Yeah. Got you, you it. Got
0: it. Got it. Got it. But, uh, got it. but uh, I totally understand that, and that was a really good example because that is a really good example. Boy, there's. You know, it's hard. It's when I think about living in LA, I think about all the. I was about to say geniuses, and I don't want to say that. All the people that were. Fantastic storytellers that have come through here and people that have had their own vision and have said fuck it This is what it is that I'm here to do and and let go of wanting to be like anybody else mm. mm-hmm. Surrender that let go of wanting to be anybody else because they were able to say okay I can get more work. I will get more work being me I will get more work being me and that I love and I think about what you guys are doing at, at Infra theater and I think Look at the, it's not even a niche, it's what the fuck you do. And you do that because, and you had to surrender, you had to let go of a lot of stuff. Yeah. You had to let go of uh, of, 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 being attached to a cor- corporate, is that fair to say? Being attached to another organization?
1: Yeah, but there's just not time in your life to do everything, right? Right. And, and the idea that um, uh, I, I could do that. Maybe I should do that. And Mm. not knowing myself well enough at Mm -hmm. that stage Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. go, well, that's a shiny thing and I want to go towards that and that's attractive and potentially profitable. But then getting to a place which hopefully we all get to where you realize, God, if I just can identify what I'm passionate about and stay with it, that will be of value if I invest in it.
0: Find, discover, discover acknowledge what it is that you're passionate about and then invest in that. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a quote from Quincy Jones. I just bought a Quincy Jones box set for my birthday for myself. That was my present to myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, How many how many It's like 4 CDs. uh uh-huh. But he goes, "What a life. What a life." He goes from transcribing bebop and working as a bebop trumpet player and arranger. Right? All the way through like
0: He's Quincy Jones. Five
1: decades—it's just incredible. But there's a quote in that that I that I love, where he says, "Find your lightning and ride your lightning.
0: Find your lightning and ride your lightning. Yeah. Find your lightning and ride your lightning." And yeah. you and we 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 go back to like when you're in the groove, when you're channeling your fellow players, mm-hmm. that's riding the lightning.
1: Yeah, or finding those people who bring that out in you, where you're not kind of walking through stuff that no longer alive for you right. but you're working with people who are, like you said, making you feel more alive while you're
0: doing right. it. Right. Walking through… Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly, certainly. That feeling in that moment of I'm, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be but what did you say about something that no longer… Not it, alive for you. Not alive you for walk you through moments
1: that aren't alive for right. you.
0: Right. Walk through moments that aren't alive for you. Yeah. Walking through moments that aren't alive for you. Does that mean that at one time they were alive for you but no, they're no longer alive for you?
1: Uh, maybe. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe a situational thing or there is uh, uh, always the possibility that they could be regenerated.
0: If you want. If they're supposed to speak to you for that. Right. Right.
1: If that time hasn't passed and now you're yes. kind of But to
0: something. be nostalgic yeah. and to want to go back to that, and to be nostalgic for that thing, whatever it was, and to go, ah, oh, those were the days. If I can only go back. And it's like, no, you fucking can't go back because you, are, you, you were disconnected from that for a reason and you go back and there's no place for you there.
1: Yeah, like um, I think about your time in Chicago with Second City being such a, I, I look at pictures and I've, I've met your colleagues from that and there's a joy and mm-hmm. vibrancy that seems to just be around that era for you. Right. But there's no way to recapture it, right?
0: No, and part of that joy is we're away from that. Yeah. Part of that joy is, you know, we are no longer connected to that because we've all done this fucking other thing, whatever the fuck it is. That's what we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just at a wedding. My friend Brian Blondell and Stephanie Bell, uh, they got married, and at this wedding there were so many Chicago people at this wedding. Chicago, not from Chicago, maybe there were, I don't know, but people that I essentially artistically grew up with that were at this wedding, and I'm looking around going. What the fuck? Look at these people and look at what we've all, what we're all doing.
1: Yeah. Is everybody's, Stayed with improvisation in one way or another. No, or no, what, no. So what?
0: Yeah, no. I mean, I think I've stayed with improv. Mike Coleman stayed with improv. Uh, James Grace, of course, runs IO. He stayed with improv. But uh, Pete Holney has stayed with improv. But you also have people like Neil Flynn, who is on the middle, and he didn't, doesn't. I mean, he does a little bit of improv. Um, uh, 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 Eric Stone Street, of course uh, Pat Finn These guys are making a living But they still periodically will do improv yeah. But to watch them and to go Ah oh, you fucking discovered your voice And then you just And and to, to be around That confidence mm-hmm. Is fantastic
1: Yeah it's what you want When you walk on stage It's just now They know who they are Yes, at this moment, and what they want, and it's so, man, it just seems to keep coming back to that over and over again.
0: What comes keeps coming back to
1: they know what they. You know what you want, from someone else on stage, <laughs> that exactly. seems so so simple, right. and so basic. But but,
0: but it, I was thinking about that yesterday in a class that mm-hmm. I was teaching. Like uh, I said, uh, I said, okay, I asked an actress at the beginning, at, after a scene, I said, so what. That scene went really well and she's really good and and I said, what was it that brought you? She goes, I knew exactly who I was. I knew exactly where I was. I knew exactly what I was doing. And I said, okay, that's interesting because you never mentioned your partner once. Oh, I knew who he was and I knew what he wanted and I knew what I wanted from him. It's like for me that's more important than you knowing who it is that you are because the moment that I tell you who you are, I have just told me who I am in my telling you who you are.
1: Yeah we created a relationship
0: immediately and there's nothing that had to be done there's no fucking figuring it out and i know i know you know i know you know and that's what we have yeah. and i look at and i look at the crew that you work with and i it makes sometimes you know i look at it and i my heart fucking explodes when i think <laughs> about the awesome fucking people in that group i feel so honored it's to, that you cast me in that show and that those people have become people that I look up to. I really look up to those people, you know.
1: That was such a fun ex- experience to get to play with you in that way, and to play with character-based stuff and play with pulp genres and stories. And
0: a big stage, yeah. and and and, and, and everybody's like everybody's saying, okay, we're gonna do. It's called Pulp Playhouse, Pulp Playhouse, right? Yeah. Um, and it was God knows what year, late '90s maybe. '99. Yeah and to look at all that and to say and it changed my life. I mean it really really it changed my life. It changed the way that I improvise because I'm looking at it and I look to you guys. I always mention you guys. When I talk about what is it that I want to see? And mm-hmm. what is it that I want to see is that fucking commitment to the moment that you're in that scene with your partner and just let it fucking ride out. Yeah. And what you guys you guys are doing genre stuff why did that just sound so uh, wrong?
1: Genre you, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I we it, it, you know because I'm constantly writing stuff uh, in my associate artistic director capacity that's either looking at a new press kit or we're, we're uh-huh. writing a release and the words style and genre <laughs> just show up over and over again and they've lost all meaning to me. I, so I, I just, think uh, that's I'm probably what happened. Was
0: I just went genre stuff um, yeah. and. Uh, and how that could be, a lot of people could see that as I'm in this box and you are governing me and my character can't be free because I've got to do this particular genre. But it's not, it's probably more freeing than it is
1: governing or shackling or. No, God, yeah, you're in a master class. Every time you're studying one of those writers or composers. You're in a master class. You get to look at the Chekhov plays and short stories and go, oh my god, that was such an incredible moment. I never saw that coming, right. and to, that, in, that invitation to be more human, or to get to work that on. That
0: invitation sh- to be more human. Because
1: they've, they've figured out a bunch of stuff about what it means to be human. And if you take the time and go into it, you're going to be a more complete human being on stage because they've already done a bunch of that work. Now you get to go in and go, I love that, I love that, I love that.
0: It sounds to me like what religion should be. Oh. It sounds to me like what the Bible should be.
1: Well, religion and theater were the same thing. I know. For a long time, right? right. So you right. Know, They
0: still are, but people don't. Why isn't that a
1: bumper sticker? Religion and theater were the same thing from... Blah, 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 blah. blah. Exactly. From
0: blah, 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 to blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And when did that blah, blah, blah? burst and not become that. But it really is the same thing.
1: Yeah, when did the priests go, to, oh, the theater's drawing much better than the <laughs> sermons are. We're, we're not able to get, the, there's no sacrifices. The gods are just, they're all going to the theater. We've got to distance ourselves and make it much more precious and probably involve guilt in some way. Oh my God, right?
0: If you involve guilt, mm. if people feel like they're, like they're being spoken to, spoken down to um, at that moment, and you can change yourself, then do that. As opposed to going to see, you know i just think about i keep i think about uh, the play that i've been to the most lately and that's august osage county uh, the play uh-huh. and how i think about it and i think that was a fucking religious experience there's so many things within that show that i look at and i go that is it was a relig- it was certainly a spiritual experience and a religious experience on so many different levels but one being talk about being human in that and talking about exploding in that did you ever see it
1: just the movie. I've never seen it on stage. Oh,
0: the, the play was just so so yeah. fucking fantastic, and I
1: could and tell from the film. It's like, oh my god, he's he has repurposed classical tragedy and made it something so relevant. But you know, o, O'Neill, Sophocles, all just like mash it up and say, I see that stuff, and that's what I'm talking about. I see that stuff in the people around me. I I. Take the lessons from the writers from the past and see how they're still totally applicable. People are still doing the same screwed-up stuff that they did, right. you know, so so many years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and the wonderful stuff that they did. So.
0: Yeah, we've kind of uh, religion sanitizes it, and also that for me, for me, and people could say that, well, What's the difference between if I'm <laughs> if I'm I'm being Catholic? or if I'm doing a Jane Austen uh, 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 genre show. Mm-hmm. I'm the same thing because there is a governor upon what it is that you can do, but I feel like there's a freedom too, and it's that guilt thing. It's the religion's got the guilt thing that theater doesn't have.
1: Well, if it starts to be designed to control people rather than free people, and yeah, guilt is very useful. Right. And shame is very useful. Right. But if it's a, if it's a celebration, I mean, look at the African American church and the idea that music and performance become the celebration of your humanity. Right. The room changes, right? And you leave because the room changed and now you're changed. Right. And it, that's very different than you're having an internal experience where you will wrestle with your own sin. And you will either be able to recognize that and apologize for it in a profound way or you will stay damned, you know? Which church would you rather go to? Right. <laughs> I know. I I do know you, I are you a church-going person? Mm-hmm. I was raised Quaker, so I have a very oh. interesting relationship with religion because of the democratization that I grew up with, the idea that everybody in this room has access to God and somebody's gonna stand up because they feel moved to speak by some connection to something bigger than them, you know? So you can Compelled. see how that connects Compelled to, to speak. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So there are moments on stage that are just like Quaker meeting, where there's, everybody's off on the wings. Nobody knows the stage is dark. Nobody knows what's happening. And somebody steps forward with something inspired that they are maybe even discovering, but they were impelled. Or, impelled? Yeah. What's
0: the difference between impelled and compelled?
1: Uh, I think impelled is an internal...
0: Uh-huh
1: motivation as opposed to being compelled to something external. You yeah. probably get a lot of calls on this, so this could be totally wrong.
0: Well, for me, I've been, I've really, i really, I will have students say, well, my impulse was to do this and I'm, uh, my impulse was to do this and I'm thinking, all right, your impulse was to do that. But I'm not here to see what your impulse is. I'm here to see what your compulsion is. Where your compulsion is, uh-huh. not what your impulse is, because an impulse is a solitary thing. It's you doing what you want to do, what doing what you need to do, as opposed to you and I are doing a scene together, and I'm waiting. For, I'm, I'm waiting for you to compel me to change. Mm-hmm. So it's a dynamic that the two of us have going at each other. Right. But if somebody says, "My instinct told me," it's like, "No, your instinct isn't allowed in the room." because that has nothing to do with whatever we've gone through in the past 3 minutes with this scene.
1: If if it's not connected to it. Yes. Yeah, you know, if if, if it's an outside inspiration that didn't come out of whatever's happening here. Right, right. It's an isolated moment.
0: Or or the idea of uh, the pressure is too much for me to take right now, Mm -hmm. I'm going to step away from that. If the pressure in the scene is too much, the tension is too much in the scene, and I'm going to pull away from that. It's like where the fuck are you going? Where the fuck are you going? Well my instinct was to leave. It's like your fucking instinct? No. Fuck your instinct. You and I are doing this thing where we love the pressure of that Mm -hmm. moment.
1: And it'll get it, will get you to something like uh, we in the closing of Chekhov yesterday, Lisa Fredrickson's character had not been aware of Brian uh, Smith's character Petya had been carrying an enormous torch for her and was totally uh, crushed out on her. But at the, at the end of the story, he has packed up and he is leaving. He's abandoning his studies and he's going to go join the army. And Lisa's character is completely baffled. Why, why would you go? Um, you know, there's, there are people here who love you. And Ryan Smith uh, turned to her and said, what do you know about love? Lights? Uh, no, but that was a moment where she couldn't answer, right? And her character kind of had to go away at that moment because her, her whole experience had just exploded.
0: And she couldn't I, fight it. right? And that's a huge thing there too, is she, this is improvised? Mm-hmm. She couldn't fight it, because she no longer, she couldn't fight it. And what I mean was, she didn't have the words to fight it. She didn't have, he was right, mm-hmm. and she surrendered to that. Yeah, that's right. And that's a really fucking strong actor who, who says, I have nothing else. And be, but here's the thing, it's not that I have nothing else, it's that I have something else. Mm-hmm. That which I had before is no longer here, But what is here is whoa that whoa Wow moment. It's
1: it's a blazing pyre of whatever your identity was that's just been decimated and and now burned to ashes, right? So now you are left with ashes.
0: Right. But it's, it's, it's an play emotional that. connection yeah. that two actors are going at each other. The Two actors the, and everything that happened before that with the mm-hmm. other actors that were in that as well. But it's two actors going at it with each other and emotionally. It, who doesn't want to be in a written play where their character is decimated? Who doesn't want to play that character after that moment? Who doesn't want to have that moment leading up to that moment?
1: Yeah, that's all really rich, delicious stuff. Yummy. To to act, yeah, and look,
0: and there's an end of the second act in August Osage County. It was in the movie too, um, where uh, what's her name, the star, what's her name? Not Meryl Streep. No, um, Julia Roberts. Mm -hmm. Julia Roberts screams, "I'm in charge here now." There was that moment, and that moment in the play took the fucking air out of the room. Yeah, because at that moment that actor who she was prior to that moment she's no longer that that character who she was prior to that moment she is no longer that and not only that everyone else around her is no longer who they were because your epiphany causes an epiphany in me your revelation gives me a revelation
1: well As you may have experienced, anytime somebody in your family steps out of the prescribed role for them in that family and acts in a different way, it is a violent act. And it violates the social order, and it violates the expectations, and it creates a domino effect through everybody else where they have to reshuffle who they are in relationship to one another. And it becomes, yeah, this flashpoint for doubt and uh-huh. you know fear anger joy all of these emotions show up so it it be, it is like fireworks when that happens
0: yeah yeah oh yeah yeah that's a great example my dad and his wife are moving out of their house in chicago and moving out to florida so there's just so much fucking going on there and my family's going w- what 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 and yeah. at the same time my mom is selling my childhood home. She just sold it yesterday.
1: She sold it yesterday. She oh my sold God. it yesterday.
0: So my childhood bungalow in Chicago. Yeah. What? Is, I will. What I have seen like? it for the last time. Yeah. Um. I, I walked through it. I remember to have a video of it, and I'm really glad I took a video of walking through it. Yeah. And I my mom my was in there. Uh-huh. My mom was, you know, walking uh-huh. through it, and she's going, "What are you doing?" And so I have that.
1: Uh-huh. Did you did you uh, take a tour with her saying, do you remember this? No, what, I didn't. What did I didn't do we, that. So it, was just it was just me Painting. and her going, Where, uh, should are we doing? go to the
0: store later? Doing? It's like, Ma, I'm on the video, you know, uh-huh. that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But looking back on it and knowing that this may be the last time I'm going to see that place, yeah. and my sister had a very interesting uh, reaction to it. She said, the memories that I have in this house are fine, they're just memories. And I thought, that's great because we get to leave with that. And it's a beautiful house, but my mom can't live in that house. Mm-hmm. It has outlived its usefulness to her. Uh, But her moving, that's the domino effect. So when I go to Chicago, I no longer have that house, that lovely house that I I used to go to. Um, And my dad and his wife are no longer going to be in Chicago and he's in his mid-80s. So you go… And not only that, they're in Florida which is, I'm sorry, it's a horrible place. It's just a horrible place. Um, There's many places that aren't horrible and the people that I know, this is not me, Telling anything anybody doesn't know about me, but there are five places in Florida that are great, and the rest of it let's sell it back. let them do what they want to do with it um but it is that domino effect, yeah, where my sister was very moved by it by my dad moving uh they're selling their shit, crazy, yeah. Yeah. But it is that… But a big here's
1: change a, late in life. Yeah. It's
0: so well it's a change in life. And that's what happens. People die and all that sort of stuff and people move on and people move. And in a scene I can't say you know like in a scene I can't say to my mom but what do you move? You can't move. I'm staying. How many times have you seen a student or an actor that you're working with not surrender to the new moment? It's a fucking hard thing to do yeah. but really it's the thing to do. And it's the delicious, as your word, thing to do. You get to be changed, right? Do you feel that when you work with somebody? Is that part of you, the 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 joy of change? That's an interesting thing. The joy of change, the celebration of change. Going at this moment, you get to change. You didn't change. You're not changing. That that is a big thing of what I teach.
1: Yeah, um, we can kind of live for those moments, and it can be. We it can. You can discover it, like. Um, there was, uh, in, the, in the matinee yesterday, it's fresh in my mind, so I'm gonna go back to the Chekhov show of yesterday. Um, there was a moment where I, my character thought the thing to do would be to play, play the guitar as, as a kind of background love serenade.
0: And you had a guitar there?
1: Yeah, we had a guitar there. So I, I started to do it, and it didn't take long for me to realize, no, my character, hates doing this right now and it's not working and, and he's angry at them so I just began it and then like no 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 and just like stormed off with the guitar. But, but. And we get to do that. Yeah. And Chekhov writes that stuff in. He has constantly have people coming in, I am definitely doing this and then in in five more lines I'm going to not do this and, and that's all
0: right. 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 But try. But when you teach a student that they're going, well, we got to hold on to our shit. Right. And it's like here's the thing. You got. You've missed the second part of that sentence. Hold on to your shit until you get to hold on to something else. Mm-hmm. And your revelation of, oh, I don't want to do this. That's your fucking revelation in that moment. And if you want to fight it and not do it, it takes you out of that moment because you're not embracing the moment. The moment looks like this, and just because you want it to look like something else doesn't make it look like something else.
1: Yeah. And I think as you. Is you progress, part of what you're learning as a someone studying this art form is that there are different delivery systems for different feelings that you have on stage. And you start to be able to discern that came from a true place that's connected to the character in the story rather than that came from my neuroses and it doesn't have anything to do with what's really happening in this.
0: And not to not to embrace that neuroses. Not to, in, I'm sorry, not to not, well, embrace, embrace engage, express.
1: Indulge the, too. In, oh, indulge. Because it, it can be something like, that's the thing I have to hang on to. That's the new thing. Right, it's the new thing. It's like, no, 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 that's the old thing. <laughs> that's your
0: old thing. Yeah, that's, You yeah, know, yeah. that new thing that you have, why did it come so a beat up box. You know, if it's a new thing, it should have a new box. It should be it should be cellophane. Uh-huh. You know, but you're absolutely right. And what I tell students is your personality is not allowed in the fucking room. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so interesting that if I gave a woman a script, if I if, if in a scene um I'm a, a woman's gonna tell me in a scene, if two characters, if one character's going like wants to commit suicide. Mm-hmm that character, the actor will go, Well, I don't want to scare anybody and think that I'm going to do that. I'm going to commit suicide. But if I cast you as Ophelia, you're going to be, oh, I get to commit
1: suicide. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. My character gets to commit suicide. But when we're in an improv scene, it's like, I don't want anybody to know that, you know, and I'm mentioning suicide here.
1: But it's unique to what we do because we're the writer and the performer.
0: Absolutely. So but the things that we have to let that the actor go, look, we're the writer and the performer, okay? Because mm. right now we're the writer and the performer. You're not Brian Lohman up there. Yeah. You're the writer and the performer that we are writing and performing together.
1: Yeah. So the choices that you make that are going to be fun for the people you're on stage with or they're not? And. <laughs> hopefully you're paying attention enough that you want to make it fun for them, too, and it t- gets you out of yourself that way. Right. So it's like this, this, this is the fun stuff.
0: The Let's thing between the forth. two of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. we make
1: that go. I, I'm curious about wh- you know, where, it's, where it's going, because it feels like improvisation has been around for so long, and yet it's never had the kind of following that the regional theater movement got in the 60s and 70s as we saw all of these theaters grow up in all of these communities and they got funding and there were
0: storefront theaters subscription
1: that's so bases well starting with storefronts absolutely right like, like South Coast Rep started with the storefront right like Steppenwolf started with the storefront right. but they built these followings and had these relationships with audiences and improvisation has been around as long and there are these different theaters but it's never expanded to the point where they've been able to have you know thousands tens of thousands of people following them second city is an exception I mean it's certainly
0: but second city is I think it has to be remembered that second city is not an improv theater second city is a theater
1: excellent point yeah and
0: right. and it does scripted work and does scripted work it's developed that, through improvisation exactly and, yeah exactly um, I'm not would you explain what it is that you're you're, you're saying Cause I'm not I'm not I'm,
1: I'm, I'm wondering why, in different communities, there hasn't been the kind of infrastructural support for mm-hmm. improvisation as an art form that the community says these artists are doing something that I want to come back to at least a couple times a month, and I'm going to bring these family members, and they're going to come, right. and we're going to buy tickets to next month's show, right. and and why do you the, think I'm that is how Why growth, do you think that is? Um, Some of it is that with regional theater, because it's scripted, people can look at the season and say, oh, look, they're doing um, guys and dolls. I want to see guys and dolls, right? Not so much, oh, look, this actor and this director are collaborating on this next thing, or this group of performers is doing a thing. Mm -hmm. It's more, and maybe that's one of the reasons why Impro Theater's been able to kind of get a foot in the door at places like The Broad and The Falcon and Pasadena Playhouse is because our, our shows, the genres and styles, are recognizable to audience members. Absolutely. So they're coming to see Jane Austen more than they're coming to see in pro theater often.
0: Right, so it's a branding thing. Yeah, I guess and so. it's a different way of branding, because if you go, okay, um, there's the cast, because a cast is a draw. Yeah. A show is a draw, a cast is a draw. Because I don't think anybody goes, oh, there's, they, well, certainly with Second City, that's not, our town, and it's not—it's it, second city. Right. They're a name. Now, I talked to James Bailey, who says from um, the uh, comedy sports here, and he has been running that show for 28 years, and people come to see the comedy sports show. Yeah. He says the audience is full of regular people, and I go, great, great. Um, It—it's a commodity. Yeah, but. That's a different thing. I also think that improv has a fucking sullied name because people aren't doing, I'm going back to this, people aren't doing the homework that you guys do, the rehearsals that you guys do, the structure, that, the professionalism that you guys do. There are people that aren't doing that. Yeah, I can so, remember
1: Keith Johnson saying, we are at war with popular entertainment. And that being shocking for him to say that, and yet the more I do it, the more I understand exactly what he means.
0: And you've been, you've, yeah. and you've been in almost every incarnation of, 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 of the, uh, of the genre, and attempting to make money at it too. Did, were you on Broadway as well?
1: Off Broadway. Off Broadway, doing Life, Game with yeah. Men. yeah,
0: yeah. you did that. You also did. Uh, you've done television. You did the the the. Cup of Improv. Yeah, World Cup. World Cup. The Cup of Improv. I <laughs> subbed from the Cup of Improv. By exactly. Improv Cup, uh, run it change, over. Change. But, but you've done all that, mm. and so that, in a way, that is, that is an attempt to get into that and to inculcate inc- 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 yourself with that, and it's a really good question. But I also believe that you guys are on, it's like you. You're the foundation of that, of saying, here's improvisation, here's what it is that it can be. Here's the, this is a product that you can bring anybody to and they're gonna walk away and go, that was fucking awesome. But 90% of the things that I see are absolute dreck because people aren't being, they're not, they're not taking it. They're not taking it.
1: Well, it's they're the, not taking it. It's the homework. I mean, if you if you look at a jazz musician's practice regimen, mm-hmm. and you look at an improviser's practice regimen, and you say, okay, how much homework are you doing before you show up at the jam session, as opposed to how much time at home is that bass player spending working on whatever he thinks might get called at that session yep. before he shows up.
0: Or, and what is it that he's spending time listening to, checking out, having discussions, really falling into all of that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So t- making making what you have available to your imagination being a much richer richer pool, rather than I know that I can quote from this song, and and when I uh, when I quote "Pennies from Heaven," there'll be a little recognition from the audience. Yeah, they, giggle. and then back into it. But you know, I think the same thing. It's a shortcut that improvisers can take, too, you know, where if I do this riff, this has worked before, and I'll go back to that. So greatest hits when they show up.
0: You guys are doing something very different than here's the shtick that you do for Jane Austen, though. Yeah. You know, there's like, there's, and, and you could probably easily shtickify everything that you're doing there. But when you said Pennies from Heaven, I'm just gonna, it, it lit upon me that <laughs> whenever I hear Coltrane's uh, My Favorite Things, I have to go, Oh yeah, there's another version of that song. Uh-huh. That's the song that wins. Yeah. You know, that's the piece that wins because it is it is so substantial, and there is quoting of the original piece in there. But he has fucking changed it, turned it around, and in a way.
1: So your boy, well, your job is to reinvent, not to. In a way, that's end? what
0: you're doing. Yeah, you you you're, reinvent it. right, yeah. but you're reinventing. A, you're rein Ah. Uh, let me see what it sounds like for this to come out of my mouth. you're, re- <laughs> <laughs> you're reinventing a pro- you're reinventing a product. Are you reinventing Are you reinventing Chekhov? Are you reinventing Jane Austen? You're not really reinventing. Did John Coltrane reinvent my favorite things? or did he do something very different?
1: Well, I, I would put forward that he used it as a source of inspiration. So I am inspired by that song. I can hear some other stuff going on. In there as I listen to it, that I think would be cool to. It's still the same try. song. Yeah, that's the foundational stuff. And I, I think, you know, with the Jane Austen work, we can read Pride and Prejudice and go, I can feel other ways that those kinds of human beings might interact if they were set free in a different story. Right. right? And, and we're not doing Mr. Darcy or Elizabeth Bennett, but we're playing human beings who have. So Similar issues with their own pride and their own prejudice, right? <laughs> right. Yeah? Right. So, so being right. able to to live with those types of uh, he, human moments and human moments of um, self-realization or self-ignorance, and and delight in that, you know, and bring that out on the
0: stage. And so you're so you're, you're you're riding the wave of emotion. You're not riding the wave of story.
1: Yeah, well, we know there are certain, like you said, it's a bound, it's a bounded world. Bounded. But women cannot pursue careers. They have to marry well. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- marrying somebody with money is important. There's, there's a social hierarchy. Um, and yet within all of those, there's no cars, it's all horses. All of that stuff right. that we kind of take for granted. Right. Um, there's no cell phone. So yeah. if you want
0: to get in touch with somebody, well, that's going to be... Before
1: the show last night was the conversation: Did they have Chekhov fountain pens? Did were there fountain pens in Chekhov, or was it quills? And we were like, "No, that's a really good question. I think there were fountain pens in the beginning of the 20th century, in like 1910." Um, So, yeah, you could even. It's a really good question. Yeah. What's a play? uh, So,
0: Dickens is 19th century. Yeah. And when I think about uh, Marley Mm -hmm. uh, sitting at his table, I see him with a quill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah like right. and that sound
1: so industrial revolution Dick, dickens is writing at the beginning of that it's there are enough manufactured goods that now they're starting to create n- nibs for fountain pens nibs. that can yeah can carry the ink flow and they're looking at okay how do we take a metal chamber and put ink into that and then there right. you go yeah yeah, it, yeah 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 and by the nib separating as it touches the page that'll let the ink flow down. did you
0: ever do the fountain pen guy with a fountain pen? Were you ever a guy with a fountain pen? No. I was a guy with a fountain pen.
1: I have one. I have, my, I have my dad's fountain pen I think. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which I look at from time to time. Right. This it's is more just than a a fucking trouble. Artifact. Oh my god.
0: I remember trying to figure that shit out. My handwriting's so fucking bad
1: anyway. It's like globs <laughs> of that. Yeah. But that is When really did you have a fountain pen? When was your, when was your era?
0: Oh my bar mitzvah. 13? 14? Oh, you got one for your bar mitzvah? Oh fuck yeah. Right? Bar-Mitzvah. Oh well there's a typical there's, there is there is. I mean, it's just, I haven't thought about this probably in 40 years. But it's that uh, some, uh, your, your bar mitzvah speech back in the day, might as well be today, it's today I'm a man. It's like today I am a fountain pen. That is, that's the joke. Uh-huh. Like today I'm a fountain pen. So <laughs> I haven't uh-huh. thought about that in so long. Today, and, and anybody listening to this from my era would go, yeah, I know exactly what he's talking about. Because somebody would give you a fountain pen. You're like, I'm gonna make that, I'm gonna be that guy with an ascot, a bow tie, or, and a fountain pen. Oh, I
1: had an ascot. Yeah. Oh.
0: Definitely, what yeah, we've I've, been through. I gotta
1: trot out the headshot with the ascot because that's just. You know what? <laughs> trot out the headshot with the ascot. Yeah. Cast me in the roles that I fantasize about playing, not in the roles that you think would make you money. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> right. Like you don't see me. I am. You don't see me.
1: No.
0: You don't see me.
1: What are you? What are you guys doing now? Uh, we are. Well, the, the school well, Michelle and Spears and I have been teaching a song improv class mm-hmm. for the last year, and we've now got this pretty steady uh, roster of students who've been doing it. So we've been able to go much deeper into that that sort of work and uh, with these a, students. Yeah, mm-hmm. having a musical composition background uh, allows me to talk music with the composer and to ask the students to be more rigorous in their musical structure. So don't just free associate your way through that. I want to hear a verse that you can repeat structurally. I want to hear a rhyme scheme that repeats because that that's the discipline of songwriting, yeah? Right. I, you're you yes, you could just create some never ending stream of words to music and that's a sort of song, but what happens if you really look at what does a bridge do emotionally to the audience? What right. does a chorus do emotionally to the audience? Let's try to create those things. So we've been working on a form that's kind of based on Arthur Schnitzler's La Ronde play. Okay, yeah. 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 So mm, Interesting. It's all two person scenes. Yes.
0: Connecting, linking. Yes. Yeah. yes. yeah.
1: And there'll be a theme of some sort. We're calling it Deuces Wild because it's all two person scenes and it'll go off in different ways. So you won't be the same barber, but you might be a barber in Mm. a different era, like in Laurent. So so maybe you're an archetype or you won't be the same annoyed person. It could be an emotional state. You'll be a different annoyed person in your second scene with a different person. And each of the two person scenes will result in a song. A song will come out of it somehow, and then there'll be some resolution and on to the next scene. And hopefully as we're exploring it in that kind of string of pearls way, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it'll have some cohesion and will gel in some, some moment. And it's been a delight. The musical improviser is really great. Peter Smith, who we've worked with for uh, a couple years now on the Sondheim stuff, right? It's been Improvise the primary musical home. improviser. So we have two shows of that coming up on the 17th and 19th of June in our space in Vermont. So first time the audience is going to get to see what this group of improvisers students have been. Uh, what
0: you said was interesting. That really got to me was. You're, you're connecting the two scenes, we're really getting inside baseball here, mm. you're connecting the two scenes not in plot, but in tone, not in plot, but in emotion. You're making the act, you're, you're inviting the actor, the imp- actor who's improvising, you're inviting that person to not look at what it is that, the, not necessarily look at what it is that the character is doing, but also to say, are you inspired by how that character's feeling? What is the emotional content that he has in that, or yeah, yeah, she yeah. has in that moment? And to be able to pull that into the next scene. And all the work that we're doing really is about, are you looking at something from a superficial level, or are you looking at something at a superficial level in addition to underneath and what is it that inspires you because the work that the, the I love when somebody says well I, I just wasn't inspired. I'm like okay you're gonna make me poke around in your insides right now but I'm gonna fucking poke around in your insides. What is it that got to you about that sentence that your partner just said? It's not the fucking words. Yeah. It's the emotion that goes underneath it.
1: Or it might be an image. You know there's like We had one scene in rehearsal where a character played a runaway in the first scene. And then uh, in the second scene, she was a person who was running away from something in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Right. But that idea of I must escape, right? Or that that image or that feeling of I must escape. Yeah, that can show up in so many different ways. It's fluid. I've really been thinking about
0: inspiration being gaseous or liquid. It's going to go. You know what I mean. It's going to go. Where it's going to go. It's going to go where it wants to go. You cannot keep it in. You can't keep it in. And to say, how is it that I? How is it that I'm? As a teacher, as a as a teacher, as uh, as, a, as a teacher, as a mentor, as a director, as a fellow player, I am going to not just see what it is that you are in front of me, but I am going to take everything in that you're doing. And let let my inspiration let my inspiration be boundless does that make sense
1: yeah oh yes and uh, your actions on stage are creating some sort of mold or outline that what I'm feeling can flow into now it's esoteric but the the idea that because you've acted in a certain way there are now pathways that I can pursue because you've cut some channels and open some, you know, chop down some bamboo with your machete. And now we can go in here into whatever that emotional territory is or whatever that that story beat. Is. Exactly. Yeah. So that's fun. The fluidity is a fun idea. Yeah, no. I And I, I, the, the idea that, well, I froze. Well, then the liquid is frozen. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's not fluid anymore. No.
0: And it? And it, because you, you, you've frozen it. You've yeah. frozen it. Yeah. You're in that moment, going, "What the fuck uh, just uh, uh, right? Uh, yeah. What just What just happened? Oh, and the, oh,
1: and the, and, and, and the guitar,
0: going. Yeah. Oh, wait, uh, what? No, this isn't.
1: Oh. Yeah, I could freeze with the guitar moment, and I could just keep it going, and uh, and and you can feel life draining away, right? <laughs> so, so, and we've all been in the theater watching scenes where life is just draining out of the actors on stage, and we're all trying to cling to our own life support system. God get me to intermission before more life is drained out of me from this exactly. uh, hemorrhaging of, of life fluids. Yeah, yeah. The, my life force,
0: <laughs> my precious bodily fluids are being drained. But at that That's moment, what I, what, I, what I will do in that moment is, is to look at my partner and go, I'm, mm, I'm getting, like, I'm not here alone. Mm-hmm. Because that, what, what, what freezes you in that moment, you freeze you. You make you freeze.
1: And, and, what a, and what a great, you know, if there is a a way for improvisation to evolve humanity, that's one of the ways to make us more connected in an age when we have devices that are violently pulling us away from our ability to connect to one another. Instead, we connect over a network to one another. Right, exactly. You know, so.
0: Two people in the same room
1: texting each other. Yeah don't text me now i'm in the room with you <laughs> well i won't but it just had one, thing. <laughs> one more thing but but it's insane and so the vitality of what it has to offer i mean it kind of cycles back to my question about why aren't there more institutionalized improvisational theaters that serve the community that they are in mm-hmm. you know to get people in through the classes because the teaching is such an important element of it to get them to experience that kind of sense of connectedness and that joy and that freedom to be able to relate to each other that way. Maybe that's a way to do it. But God, I would hope that all of the work of the last 60 years or 500 years, however far back you want to go, um, might help make us be able to connect with our loved ones and strangers in a deeper, more consistent way rather than shut off from them.
0: Let's stop there. All right. That's great. Yeah, like, oh, hey, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, to live a life where you're at peace with the idea that you're human and you don't want to fix that. Yeppers. Thank you for that reminder, Brian Loman. And ADD Comedy with Dave Rozowski also thanks Laura Parker, my co-producer. My dear friend, musician extraordinaire, Al Rose for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars from Al's album, Sad Go Lucky. And we thank you, our listeners. If you liked our show, please give us a positive note on iTunes, won't you? If you're interested in having me at your theater, your improv school, corporate event, your, I don't know, uh, Volcanic Eruption, drop me a line at dave at addcomedy.com. Thank you, and we'll hear you in our ears.